Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you by Reedley College, educating the next generation of agriculturalists in advanced technology, efficient production practices, and food safety. Now here's your hosts of Voices of the Valley, Dennis Donahue and Candace Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of the Valley with my friend and co-host, Candace Wilson. Candace, welcome back. Thank you, Dennis. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I'm very excited about our guest today, Dr. Eugenia Saini. Hopefully, I did pretty good. I've got to work on uh, my enunciation, but it's great to have you. And uh, as we were chatting before we got on the air, I I accused you of being a real live Renaissance person. You, <laughs> you have a great background, and your current role is the executive director for Fontagro. One of the things we like to do is just before you got to where you are today, which is why we want to visit with you, talk a little bit about your background and the journey to your present position. And I was intrigued by your philosophy of learning. You talked about, you know, in your family, you were really the first person to pursue education to the degree you had. And, and that's really just become a lifelong passion of yours. So tell us a little bit about your journey to your current position. And then let's get into it. Because one of the things I'm really struck by, you know, the nature of your organization but this commitment to regional platforms. And I'm going to guess you're going to say that's, mm -hmm. that's a really important way to approach the future. So uh, a lot to talk about, but first of all, just talk about your background yeah. before we get to what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on this conversation. Uh, I'm really excited to share with all of you parts of me and parts of what we do at, at Fontagro. And also I'm very interested in all the work that you do as well. Well, I am from Argentina, uh, actually with dual citizenship because, you know, most of the Argentines are Italian, so I am also Italian. <laughs> so I, you know, born in a very uh, humble family and just, it was very difficult for us, you know, study and keep uh, studying. Um, so all my life, I try to improve myself and see how I can do things better. And education was a very important part for me. So even though I have to work a lot, I always uh, dedicate the night for studying and I was, you know, got my degree on, on as a agronomist in at the end of the 90s. And then Argentina was really a mess at that time, similar to now, or not so worse than it's now. <laughs> so everybody needs to look for uh, alternatives in how to survive at some point, because there was not any opportunities. And especially for me, because I was coming from a very area that it was a little bit complicated uh, for security and, you know, so um, I continued studying and working and I worked as much as I could in everything, but I got the degree as an agronomist engineer. And then that was a, a background more in, in science. Uh, I was working as a scientist with as assistant uh, with other very important professors. And then I work in the private sector and I did a specialization and then a master in agribusiness and food because for me it was more than a scientist. My question was how we can help farmers to do better. Is this an answer that we need to give by the business or, or the technology or where? So I did the master and then I was working on the private sector. I had the good luck that I worked in two very important companies. One, my first job was, formal job, was uh, in a supermarket that was uh, one of the more important supermarkets in my country. And I really learned a lot in negotiation, in buying, in all the value chain stuff that you can imagine and then i designed um, a system to create more you know rewards for farmers in order to always have good farmers that provide to the supermarket and design the first uh one of the first um traceability systems for food and then for animals for livestock 
which that system that later on become on the on the national system in part of the national system that was a really important um, you know key to my profession in, in my background and suddenly you know working uh, while I was working in the company in another company which is like a agribusiness bigger business company at the same time that I was living in different areas uh, in different farms in the country, I was always even talk to farmers because the farmers sometimes want to talk to me. So I was invited in different way. And one day, one person from the government at that time invited me to be part of the Ministry of Agriculture in all the political uh, aspect in economics. And at first I say no, and then I say yes, because I really want to serve people. So I joined, I left the private sector in order to do good things in the public sector, which was not right. That what I thought, but you know, it was more difficult than I thought. But I did some policies that were uh, very well welcoming for the government. And then I had a really great opportunity of my life that is come to U.S. with a scholarship, with a Fulbright scholarship. So I went to study to Cornell. And in Cornell, I learned, I learned a lot. But also I had the chance to interact with people from other countries, actually from 94 different countries. And that was a really important jump, uh, you know, for the better um, on, my, on my profession because before in Argentina, I was just focused inside Argentina. Now I'm more focused in all worldwide, you know, agriculture and food situation. And, you know, that's great. Um, I always continue to study at the same time. I finished after I did the agribusiness, I decided to study accounting because if we, my question to myself was, is we really need to give solutions to the farmers. We need to understand how the business works, which kind of taxes they need to pay, why they need to pay. You know, all kind of things. And I was doing that while I was traveling and studying. And I finished that part when I came to Cornell. I mean, I just called the, the, the studies. In the middle, I got the doctoral degree. You know, it's like a mess, but it was, you know, all the time doing something. And after I finished my Fulbright scholarship, I returned to my country, to Argentina. And I was there for a few months. And then multilateral bank here in Washington, they asked me to come back and work with them in different aspects. So I returned and, you know, in that time, I finished the doctoral degree and then I met Fontagro. And the person who was running Fontagro, he said, please come to work with me. So I say, OK. And this is where I am now after like eight years or nine years. Most well, probably. Now, now you're, run, you're running the show. So talk about Fontagro. Though, I, I got to tell you, Candice, I don't know about you. I now feel guilty when I go home at night. I relax by watching Netflix rather than no. <laughs> improving, improving, improving myself. That's, it is, that it is remarkable. Is, yeah, that's truly. Incredible. We should take a moment and have a round of applause. Really, truly, that is amazing. And I've always admired the people that go to work and then come home and finish their degrees and work till, you know, all hours of the night too. So it's really amazing. You should feel very proud. Yeah, oh, no, it, it, it is very impressive. And uh, I mean, agronomist, administrator, teacher, student, accountant, you know, <laughs> oh, how, yeah, and how I spent the pandemic getting an accounting degree. It is impressive. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I think it's good just to say if we have on a schedule like seven days, just dedicate a few hours a week to read and or learn something. And doing that is when we became more creative because we allow our brain to stop thinking on the email, on the phone, on the, you know, and we focus on something that would make us more creative and give the possibility to create more benefit. This is what I think, and actually I'm planning on continuing studying something. I, I didn't decide yet, but I think it's, <laughs> I'm trying to make my schedule, you know, um, diverse in a way to say. But now we have more technology. We can do online. Um, we can study online, which when I was a science agronomy, we didn't have that opportunity. You need to go in person. You need to go to the library. You have now the library online. 
So we have more tools, and but it's up to every people. And as me, I bet there is million of students that they are doing the same. So I like it, and I think it's helped to you know give better advices or solution or work better with with the people, which is my my interest. Well, so, talk about how you bring all of that to bear on what you're currently doing today and the really the very unique aspect of Fontagro, you know, representing or working with some mm-hmm. 15 countries routinely, you know, particularly in Latin America and the Caribbean. So talk about what you do. Well, in Fontagro, I would like to speak a little bit um, what it is. It's a fund. The name is the Fund for Agricultural Technology. And it's a mechanism that is really interesting. It was created in 1988. And this is why I like to work also in Fontagro. It's a group of countries represented by their Minister of Finance or Agriculture. They decided to put aside funding from the countries to create this fund. And the goal of this fund is to provide opportunities for scientists to create networks what we call today regional platforms and the scientists working in networks with different countries, they are more able to get you know, new discoveries, new knowledge and new potential technologies and innovation. So the initial capital of Fontagro was just $83 million. And after 24 years, we still have the $83 million. Also, we have 100, but also we co-invest $130 million. And we have financed 178 projects. So even though I know we could be better, I mean, my goal is maybe not to have just $100, $100 million, have $200 million. We understand that we are growing and we are trying to help all the scientists around the world to work together in networks, trying to bring these solutions. Because sometimes when you are, you know, in front of a challenge like water management, fertilizer efficiency use, or genetic improvement, Sometimes working with people from different organizations and countries which bring their own knowledge to that platforms that help to create better solutions and more faster solutions. And this is what it was achieved by, by Fontagro. So in the last 24 years, Fontagro, which is constituted by 15 countries, 14 from Latin America and Spain. Spain is the only country outside the, the region. We have reached 33 countries and we have been working with 800 organizations. So the scope that Fontaro has at the beginning now is so much bigger. And this is what makes scientists be very, very interested on, on what Fontaro is bringing to them, because it's not just an opportunity to get funding, but also to leverage the funding with other donors, because, for example, some other governments also have worked, have made donors uh, donations to us. For example, the government is New Zealand. We have a long story. 10, 12 years working together and we talk almost every day. The government of Japan, the government of Korea, US as well at the beginning, at the end of the 90s. So it's not just the 15 countries, all the knowledge reach more than the 15 countries because we create a public good, what we call global public good. And uh, also our network of scientists is around 2000. So that's very important. It's 2000 from all around the world, from the Netherlands, UK, Uruguay, Bolivia. And that is really, really important for them the chance that they have to interact with people from other countries. How, how do you, or what's the intersection with growers, farmers, and the scientists? Do you work backwards mm-hmm. from problems that are being identified by farmers and growers in the various countries and or the research side of things brings what they perceive might be yeah. solutions into the private sector? What's what's that intersection look like? We have two different windows, we say, or business areas. One that we call the call for proposals. So every year we launch a call for proposals and we allow or we expect that the scientists create their own project and their own network and they present to us opportunities to achieve 
how to cope with some challenges. For example, next year, the challenge is going to be how from agriculture we can support nutrition and food security. So all the scientists around the world that they are working on that topic will create, you know, a proposal and they will compete. And the better they will be awarded with the, with the funding. But also when there is a specific topics that is a challenge or a problem for two, three or four countries, people can reach the representative of that country in our world. And it says, we really need, we really need help on doing this. And we are you know, able to also support the research with this funding. So if there is another donor that has funding and want to research something, they can come on Fontagro and ask support for Fontagro. So in that way, we join the efforts of both sides, the farmer organization or the company or the government or any other donor and us. And I will give you an example. Maybe it's more, more it's help to understand. Indoor agriculture and vertical agriculture. This is a new initiative that we are launching now in Central America and Colombia. So a group of companies contact the National Research Institution in Panama. In Panama, there is uh, IDIAP, is the National Research Institution. They, they say, okay, we can work with you in this topic, but we need funding. So the director reached our board. Uh, he reached me as well. We work on a proposal of a project. And uh, they also look for funding in other organizations. And now we have a very important platform, private and public, where companies are working with the scientists in four different countries, Argentina, Panama, Costa Rica, and Colombia. And they will try to figure it out how we can introduce these technologies to medium and small farmers, how the companies that they develop that technology for a certain you know, scale of business, how they can use that technology for a medium or a small size and how cities can be more secure on providing some produce, for example. So this is an example. We have many other examples uh, in livestock. For example, another group is joining in the South Con with together with US and New Zealand, how we have to use satellite images and any other new technology like drones to capture images on the biomass that is produced by pastures. And that way we can understand better the seasons of the production of biomass and see how much biomass we will have for feeding, you know, all the herds. So there is different technologies that we have, but in all of them, the scientists can get together and apply to the competition process or a specific representative can reach one of the board of directors in our board and ask for support. And then we will work together in trying to find additional funding to mobilize together with Ontario. One of the questions that I have is around the different forums. So how do you bring, use different forums to facilitate this sort of connection between the countries and the scientists? Thank you, Candice. First, I think among scientists in Latin America, uh, they know very well Fontagro. So they know that every year they have the chance to get funding if they compete and they are successful. But at the same time, I uh, design in our website an area which is Fontagro in Network. So suppose that someone has an idea and is looking for other partners, other colleagues, they can just reach, you know, write idea in the website and see how other can be interested or not. And we help also with social media, trying to disseminate among the media all these kind of initiatives. Then we have an annual meeting that is just for the scientists that every year takes on in July, June or July. And we also work trying to bring in them at the same place. Now, for example, this year was the first time that we met in person after COVID, after since 2019. 
So they have the chance to, you know, know one each other and create, you know, new opportunities and new projects. And this is very exciting because one of the scientists came one time uh, in July and I said, hey, I didn't know that this woman is running this project in carbon sequestration. I'm very interested because I'm doing this as well. So you have the chance to meet her and you have the chance to, you know, create another platform and see how we can scale up this project to other countries as well. So that's, you know, what we are trying to do. Um, working in networks is, is very important because what we need to do is really to have more impact. We have funding. I mean, funding is sometimes is everywhere, but why we don't get the impact that we expect? And this is a really deep question. Uh, that happened with, you know, people who get together in big meetings, international big meetings, because they want to, you know, achieve impact and this and that, and they allow funding. But that funding is not, you know, reaching the two actors that for me are very important. One is the scientist, if the scientists are in the universities or in national research institutions, which is the people that are is creating the knowledge that we know that we need in order to solve problems. And the small farmers. Small farmers need also funding to adopt all those technologies. If I would like to work in something, it's these two topics, how we can finance the people who create new knowledge and the people who really need to adopt that knowledge in order to get better. So I answered a little bit your question and I went to another topic that I think is also very excited. It really is. And it actually, like you started to position one of my next questions. Well, there's two questions, two pieces of it, and it's, it's the prioritization of efforts. So what do you believe, how do you determine what some of the priority areas are where you want to be prioritizing your funds? And then the second piece of it is how you vet the different opportunities. Like what is the process for that of determining, yes, this is where we want to send our funds or contribute the funds? It's, uh, we have two different mechanisms. I mean, the main is that we have a strategic plan, which has three strategies and everything needs to be in those three strategies. One strategy is focused on farms, how we can make more productive, sustainable and resilient farms. The second strategy is how we can do the same, but at the territorial level, improving relationship among the actors. And the third is how we can provide better nutrition to people. So we have these three strategies. Then in the window of the call of proposal, we allow everybody to give us, you know, ideas and how they can solve one of the three of the three at the same time. We allow the people to, you know, present everything they want to do. We don't restrict on that. The only thing that we do is we say we want to receive opportunities for solution in a strategy one, a strategy two, or the three. That's the open competitive process. In the other window, which is more restrictive, that happened with a group of directors reach Contagro in the board uh, because maybe they were reached before by the private sector asking help for a specific situation. For example, Fusarium. Fusarium is affecting bananas and plantain. It's like it, it destroy absolutely the whole plantation. There is not, you know, an agrochemical or anything that can deal with that. So when Fusarium started on Colombia in 2019, the representative in my board reached me the Colombian and the Ecuador representative also then reached me and said, hey, we need to work on this. So I started all the machine on looking for, you know, the main actors, uh, the main stakeholders. I reached on the multilateral banks, for example, and the private sector of the uh, multilateral banks as well. And we made, you know, an event where we had all the private sector, all the national research institution and all the governmental representatives. And now we have two very important projects that we are running with all those countries, trying to help the small farmers, you know, to adopt different strategies to first identify whether they have or not fusarium in their in their farm and then what to do next. So the priorities come, you know, from our strategic plan 
And we always have an external um, panel evalu evaluation that they will assess every project. So even though if the board, for example, present three or four initiatives, we are going to especially see how they score after the assessment, and then the directors will decide which initiative is more appropriate. Talk a little bit about uh, a couple of things are occurring to me. You know, you and I, one of our early conversations, and this is why I was so intrigued by seeing the phrase regional platforms when I, you know, was kind of reviewing your, your bio, you know, because I've always been intrigued from a Western grower standpoint, you know, even though we represent California, Arizona and Colorado, the reality is our many of our production partners for our members on the veg side, even the fruit side, strawberries, Mexico. And then on the, you know, the permanent crops and grapes, stone fruit, et cetera, then we drop down into Chile, Peru, uh, even Argentina and blueberries. And, you know, I mean, I was a radicchio guy in Chile for the better part of a decade. So from my standpoint, it's real important that we uh, be connected to uh, Central America and Latin America. We tend to perhaps work with maybe some of the larger growers in these countries. So what's kind of the state of farming in general as it relates to innovation? Because you mentioned this phrase of adoption, and it is costly to adopt. We're looking more closely at the, for instance, the biological space. And, uh, you know, you've got to have research funds for trials and for possibilities of, you know, crop destruct funds and, you know, new technology, you know, there has to be some training for adoption. So when you look at innovation and you look at technology, Who's really in the game? I, I mean, in terms of the ability to do that stuff, and it sounds like it's absolutely critical in Latin America that the, that the small farmer, you know, have an opportunity to uh, continue farming because that sounds mm -hmm. like that's really the heart and soul of farming in uh, in Latin America. Well, it's, I mean, to answer, I have I think two or three different points. First, I think one of the challenges that is worldwide, especially in the Western Hemisphere, I cannot say in Europe or any other, but in the Western Hemisphere, except maybe or Canada, but I'm not sure. All the funding related, public funding related with science and technologies have been decreasing constantly in all countries. I think that happened also in US, I think. But in Latin America and the Caribbean, always, if you have to cut funding, you go first to the science and technologies. And that is the first mistake because whatever you don't design or create, you need to import. So you will need to import the technology from another place. So that's the first thing that I think is one of the big challenges that we have in, in Latin America. And this is why Contagro became very important because in order to keep the capacities of those researchers and the new cohorts of researchers and scientists working, we need to give them the tools of facilitate the tools to create. And that requires knowledge, training. They need to get training all the time and funding to do, you know, the research they need to do. And then they have to share what they do. So this is very important from Contagro side because we and regional public goods. Whatever comes out from Contagro research is open source, is open innovation, is open science. Everyone can get it and can have it. And even though if you took one knowledge and then you continue working on that and you transform it in another. So that's that's the first thing. The second point is we fail terrible on doing pol good policy for small farmers. And they are the 80 or 90% of the population in all the Western hemisphere. I'm very strong in the numbers. Maybe it's not 80%, maybe 70 but it still is, is high. So we fail constantly. So we need to do something different. We cannot do the same. You know, first of all, in Latin America, I doubt if there is a agricultural policy that works. I really doubt. And I think not of no country have it. But also, every time that we have to work with a small farmer, we fail it. So there we need to work, I think, in a platform, trying to address how to help really the small farmers. And the third point is, there is a lot of funding in different organizations that are suitable for this, for facilitating the adoption, the technology adoption. And those are the international and multilateral banks. 
which are made with the capital of the countries. So I think what I will do is having a very good conversation at the policy level with these banks in how they can, you know, really have a good strategy to facilitate the adoption, the technology adoption of the small farmers. Because that's, if, if we don't do that, there is going to be, and also not just the small farmers, all the farmers. Maybe big farmers have funding and they have another challenges. But I think we need to support from the finance side, the farmers in a different way. So for that, it's important also to understand what is the demands that they have, right? What has been your experience? And I think the platform piece remains critical. I, I know, for instance, when we got started on our global harvest automation initiative, you know, we looked at certain functions like thinning and weeding, and we felt the marketplace was generally working in terms of whether there was private investment, venture investment, just the nature of the task, even though there's a lot of sophistication in terms of AI, uh, data collection, et cetera. Fundamentally, it was a repetitive function. When you got into harvest, more complicated because now you're replicating a human being. Yeah. And, th and then all of a sudden we ran into the good old addressable market. It, you know, hey, you're not the Midwest and doing soy and corn and, you know, you're doing a lot of specialty crops. And, you know, we tend to think the world, you know, the sun rises and sets on specialty crops. And yet, you know, to be told the market's not big enough and you have scaling challenges. So, you know, the scientists eventually you've got to get to the private sector is one of the reasons they don't necessarily have the impact with the research, if you have so many small farms, you know, how do you aggregate things and scale? I mean, from a funding standpoint, you, I'm going to guess you think about that. In all Latin America, I think uh, one of the problems is that not all the countries have an extension service. Uh, some countries have it and many others not. So there is a missing actor in those cases. For example, in Central America, some organizations just do research. They don't do extension. So we are missing an actor that can connect one another. And this is very local. I mean, we have to go country by country trying to understand how that works. And also, it depends also on the value chain. If we are talking about corn or livestock or rice. But I think if we are able to make a group for this, this QC and this guy of thing, I think that is going to be a good starting point. I haven't seen this kind of discussion in any other you know, platform. And Fontagro can help on that as well. I mean, as well as ICA, Inter-American Institute for Cooperation in Agriculture, they also work hard in trying to, you know, see how we can improve these policies in, in the countries. So from the technology side, what I can say is there is a lot of technologies that have been validated, a lot of knowledge that this organization or these countries have, but still we are not able to scale up all those technologies because there are not anybody that is able to do it. And it's not just because funding, it's because literally we don't know who is going to do it. It seems strange, but it's real. It's like we need a manager that can connect, you know, the science with the farmers. That's exactly right. And you mentioned New Zealand. I, I certainly have always had the observation that New Zealand does a particularly good job of integrating education, government and uh, industry. They do that pretty well. I think the Israelis do it well. You know, in our countries, sometimes it feels like that's a little too siloed. And obviously, they're very active spaces and your alma mater, Cornell, UC Davis, you know, there's any number of institutions that have really good involvement with industry. But, you know, I, I think my general perception is unless you get that private industry connection, you know, in the end, somebody's got to buy something. You can research it, you can fund it, but uh, somebody's got to buy it and use it. And uh, if that doesn't happen, then you don't get any progress. But I think we need to help in creating these spaces where private sector can get together with scientists, because how many times one or farm organization get together with Cornell or with Davis, you know, and the same in Latin America. How many times a company, you know, had reached their university or the National Research Institution? 
So trying to facilitate those spaces for this interaction, I think is very, very important because all the stakeholders there, they have a lot of knowledge that what we need is just put it together. So believe it or not, maybe, you know, creating an annual meeting or a networking meeting, that helps a lot because normally, at least I can talk from Latin America, I mean, very broad, right? Because we have very successful cases, but easier to work in silo. I do this, I don't see any other and change. That behavior is not easy, but if we do kind of some collective action and trying to change that behavior, facilitating that people meet one each other, I think that could be uh, something very important for, for the agribusiness sector as well. Well, uh, I certainly think it makes a lot of sense with, you know, kind of that vision you and I laid out to the degree, could we, you know, from an innovation center standpoint, a Western grower standpoint, I've always been intrigued by this idea that the Americas meet here, you know, that we need to make that connection. And, you know, we chatted a couple of weeks ago, I was intrigued by how excited you were about what's going on in Panama. You know, we're kind of familiar with, you know, kind of, for lack of a better phrase, the usual suspects. We know to go to Chile, we know to go to Peru. When you think about Latin America, what countries excite you in terms of their prospects for the future? And you and I are certainly in complete agreement. The Americas are going to have a lot more to uh, do with feeding the world, I think, than people realize because you've got land, you've got infrastructure, whether it's ports or airports, that sort of thing. I know people can use water all over the world, but broadly speaking, Latin America is going to be a a big part of uh, dealing with food supply. Absolutely. All countries are really, really important and all of them have a specific or, you know, a specific features that I really like. It's not just, for example, Central America, maybe all Latin America, biodiversity. It's amazing. I mean, if you think in Peru, in Bolivia, I was talking to people from Bolivia. I made a, a meeting with all the deans of the agricultural uh, universities two years ago, and they were explaining, you know, all the research they have in different altitudes, in the mountains, the same in Peru. This is something that maybe needs to be more visual to everybody, all the, you know, the the importance of the biodiversity in crops and animals they, those countries have already. Uh, the same in Colombia. And I think they are increasing a lot. I mean, I can talk from Contagro perspective, and I am talking from the around 60 international projects that I am running right now, where we have universities, national research institutions, farmer associations. Farmer associations always have to be present in our platform. There is no project without farmers. This is something that is key for us. It's mandatory. So this is one of the reasons because we push them not to work in silos. If they want to do research, they have to be farmer association associated to the project. And Central America, I think, is a strategy, is a strategic because they have the Panama Canal. They can produce and export, you know, to different parts of the planet, in a way to say. And there is a lot of quality land, especially Nicaragua or Costa Rica, Panama as well. And then you have, you know, the Andean region with all the more important crop and fruits and cacao, cafe and bananas. And I, the list is very long, but I think the farmers and the history of the farming in all those countries make them very, very important. Whether we have to decide, you know, if Latin America is going to be one of the main supplier food in the next years. And I would say yes. Because bad or good, we have infrastructure. Bad or good, we have governments that they understand that agriculture is the main economic sector in those countries, also in Argentina and also in Brazil, because they are the main exporter of soybean and corn and all the sub-byproducts of these crops, also livestock and meal. So I think, you know, all Fontagro now has a very key role on trying to bring in those platforms, not just the scientists, whether they come from the universities or the national research institution, but also, you know, adding the farmers association, adding the government representatives when they want 
and many other stakeholders that are part of the value chain that they are recent on. I would love to hear some of the projects that you are most proud of being associated with or something inspiring that keeps you motivated about the future. Absolutely. The first one is this indoor agriculture that we are just starting in Central America and Colombia because we are trying to break this paradigm that open agriculture, that agriculture has to be open always, like, you know, extension, extensive agriculture. So we are learning how technology and also knowledge that come from different disciplines can help us to understand how we can supply cities with food in a different way that we used to do it, like until like open agriculture. So that is one of the, I think, more challenging and more interesting project to me. Another is biofortification. Uh, biofortification is the enrichment with vitamins and minerals of some crops. And this has been a long, long investment from the CGR system with a program that was called uh, Harvest Bust. So all these national research institutions that were part and they were learning and, you know, with all these Harvest Blast program, once this program was uh, canceled, all these people had the knowledge to continue. So we are now supporting those scientists with farmers, for example, in Central America, how they can scale up the seed production of these biofortified seeds in order to improve uh, nutrition of the population. And it's interesting because in Central America, what is missing is those companies that can do the scaling up of the seed production. So we have the challenge on looking for which farmers would be able to, you know, produce not the grain, just the seed, you know. So this is a, a missing actor as a seed supplier that they are. So we are trying to help them on that. And there is another in Chile, which is in the South Corn, which is working in water management. And it's a very important platform because also Spain is working on the same project. And they are testing the water efficiency in different levels. At the farm level, with technology that we also brought from Israel, um, and also that they are designing in the farm. And second to the, you know, more territorial aspect, trying to bring information with satellite and how, you know, the water is changing and the season can affect the farmer's production or not. And the third level is the policy design. So this is other project that I think is, is very, very important. But we have many others. They will be very mad at me if you don't mention all the rest of the 50 or 60. But, you know, there are a lot, there are a lot. And I really like to work with the scientists because I really want to hear the needs they have. And in my position, I'm trying to help them uh, to do the better, you know, they can. So we really have a, also a kind of family chat that all the scientists are there and we are all the time, you know, in contact and trying to help one each other and bring ideas and have to solve, you know, from an administrative issue or maybe another technical issue. Amazing. Well, yeah, guys- no, there's a lot going on. There is. Hands it, on so many important initiatives. My last question, and then we'll we'll wrap up, is given all of that and given the process that really kind of drives innovation in Latin America, which you're kind of spearheading, what country or what area has really kind of jumped out in front or really building an ongoing innovation uh, ecosystem you know for instance is peru doing a good job at that or you know where you where you bring together talent capital market that that sort of thing is there an area that occurs to you or is that piece still kind of in formation the ecosystem no i think the countries in the south corn are the more advanced in you know creating this ecosystem but i still i have my doubt how much are they very real consistent i mean very well built i like a lot the improvement that central america in is doing I really am seeing a lot of advances in how they are taking part in different international platforms and how they are reaching and having conversations with the private sector, the public sector, Panama, Costa Rica, and Dominican Republic as well. 
you know, I talk with their directors and I really see how they are also very interested in moving forward. Of course, all the country has a lot of challenge, a lot of problems, but still they, I think there is a huge potential there. And, and in their region, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru, you know, I think they are the key, more important that they are also moving forward with all the digital technologies, at least from what I know in Colombia and Peru, for example. But the point is in Fontagro, because the board of directors is constituted by the national research institution, but the, you know, the representative of each country is make like a very important mechanism because every time they get together, it's all the countries talking with each other. And that's amazing. I mean, the representative from Bolivia is talking to the Paraguay representative of Paraguay with Ecuador or Ecuador with Colombia. And this is the space that I think is very important for them and of course for their institution and countries as well. Well, I, you know, just as we close here, we barely scratched the surface. You identified three and, and then alluded to there's another 50 or 60 projects you're going to get in trouble if you, if you don't mention. So we obviously can uh, talk for a long time, but you know, I'll, I'll leave with this thought, you know, and you and I have had this conversation. I think getting part of your network and uh, convening uh, some sort of networking session around that would be an awfully good idea because, uh, you know, I think Mexico, Central America, and Latin America are certainly part and parcel of, of the Western growers world and the specialty crop world. So uh, we should look for some ways to uh, become part of that platform. And we're very grateful for your time today. You're, you're awfully busy. If you weren't doing this, I'm sure you'd be learning something. And, you know, this conversation, like I said, I'm not going to go home and watch Netflix uh, tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to read a book and try and learn something. So you, you've, you've inspired me. So oh, thank, thank you. Yeah, no, thank Thank you, Candace. This was a good one as we thought it would be. And uh, Eugenia, thank you for, for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, our next episode of Voices of the Valley. And uh, you've raised the bar. They'll have to top this. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for your time. Thank you thank so you much. much. Folks, we will be back soon with another episode of Voices of the Valley. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley podcast, brought to you today by Reedley College. To learn more about Reedley College's Agriculture and Natural Resources program and the courses offered in ag technology, food safety, and plant science, you can visit reedleycollege.edu.